this summer, Coors Light wants you to retire. Even if it's only temporary. Take a break from your 9 to 5 for 9 holes of golf. Trade those spreadsheets for a bingo card. Or swap your office chair for a water aerobics floaty. This summer, welcome to temporary retirement. Coors Light, made to chill. Copyright 2023 Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Celebrate responsibly. BFFT. From the Pac West Center in downtown Portland, presented by High Caliber Millwrights, here's John Canzano with the bald faced truth. Well, Judd Fish introduced introductory news conference. He was asked about his commitment. Here's what Judd Fish said. Right. Well, I think that that's always a problem, right? You can't be right. You can't be wrong. Whatever you say. I know that that comment's always going to be made. Is it a destination job? Uh, I would answer it this way. The Big Ten, the SEC, right now is who's leading the football pathways. The college football landscape is about getting to the CFP. There's 12 teams that are going to compete every year starting next year in the college football playoffs. Um, if you look at what teams traditionally compete, it's about the same 12 or 14 teams. University of Washington is one of those 12 or 14 teams. Uh, that's why we coach. We coach to be able to take a seat at that table and to be able to give yourself a chance every single year with resources uh, beyond belief, with an opportunity to go out there with a fan base that's dying to continue to win, that have won national championships. And the idea of staying is why you come. The idea of being here is to win championships. And that's all I can promise, that we're going to be here every single day doing everything we can to win a championship, knowing that Washington has the opportunity to do that every year. Jed Fish, he's the new guy in. At the University of Washington, Mike Farrell was on the beat all season long at the Seattle Times. His evolving role there, writing columns from beat guy to columnist. Mike Farrell uh, has to talk about Jed Fish in this transition. He's joining us now. Mike, give me an idea what what it's been like. Kalen DeBoer out, uh, Jed Fish in. Uh, what's what's the latest? Uh, I think the latest is that no one has slept in weeks, and it's just this kind of evolving mechanism here, right? I don't think anyone can quite believe it. I don't know that I've totally sat down and let it sink in, but, you know, we went to a press conference today. Uh, it felt like we were just in that exact same place in that exact same room, welcoming Kalen DeBoer two years ago. Um, and, and life goes on. And it, this is a completely different team. And a lot of the roster is different and it's going to be more different as the transfer portal continues to evolve and the roster continues to change. And I just, it just feels like that national championship game was a year ago instead of eight days. And I, you know, I'm writing that as we speak, but it just feels like so much has happened. That's kind of shifted the identity of Washington football and the face of Washington football. And, you know, they very well may have made an excellent hire in jet fish, but I don't think anyone here has been able to, to really sit down and, and, you know, sink in that truth and, and let it really, you know, sink into their bones. The fact that, there is a new face of this program right now. Yeah, in Kalen DeBoer leaving, my Washington fan friends were felt felt very jilted. They felt like, you know, it was too soon. He had preached some things. Jed Fish kind of did the same thing at Arizona. 
Is this chat just kind of what coaches do, Mike? I mean, I think, you know, I, I've been comparing it to kind of just the, it's the chain of command. It's, it's, uh, you know, there's, there's, there's a, uh, a circle of life here at this point where, you know, Alabama eats Washington and Washington eats Arizona and Arizona eats San Jose state. And right now resources are King and you want to get to that next step on the ladder and, and, you know, uh, salaries are, are a big deal and assistant coach salary pools are a big deal and NIL is a big deal. And just, it does feel more and more rare that you have a coach who, you know, sets up shop in a place for, for two decades and, and gets the, uh, the statue out front. And I really thought, you know, probably like some of your friends, just getting to know Kalen DeBoer a little bit, I thought he was the kind of guy who might want to just create an identity somewhere and say, you know, this is my place. I'm going to make this place in the image of myself. The program's going to be exactly what I want it to be. It's not going to have, you know, Tuscaloosa, Alabama um, kind of spotlight. It's going to be able to kind of shield itself from the Seahawks a little bit um, from that kind of a spotlight, and I can just kind of build it the way that I want to. I thought that was something that would appeal to him, and I think maybe it did to a degree, but, you know, when you're going up against Alabama, Alabama usually wins in that regard, and that's been the case both, you know, with Alabama and Washington and then with Washington and Arizona and on and on and on. Mike, the hire of fish, did it move the needle for the fan base? Uh, or is it is it a lot for the fan base to absorb? I think it's more the latter. I mean, I, I think it's a good hire under the circumstances, but I think this whole thing is still so jarring. You get broken up with, and then you're being proposed to two days later. And I think it's just you have to sit with it for a while, the truth of all of this. And I think... You know, Jed Fish, you know, it, it makes a lot of sense in terms of his West Coast recruiting ties and just all of the people that he's coached under and the ability to kind of take a situation and, and transform that roster. I think all of that makes sense. And in the same breath, I mean, this is a team that just experienced such highs and a fan base that just experienced such highs. So I think everyone is still kind of trying to trying to figure out what their new normal is right now. So so in terms of whether it registered I think it registered as much as it could, but under the circumstances, it's hard for any hire to feel um, like one that the fan base can really revel in when you just came from such highs and then came crashing down. Yeah, and I think that that fan base, you know, obviously that close to a national championship and, you know, like 72 hours later, uh, dealing with the possibility of losing DeBoer and then seeing him go. Did you get a sense from Fish who's coming with him from Arizona? How you know, is he bringing Fafita, his quarterback? How soon can they be good? Yeah, I thought his, his press conference was pretty interesting because you go to, a, you know, obviously you've been to so many of these press conferences and, and a lot of them feel the same and the person promises wins and culture and all those things. And I thought it was really interesting what Jed Fish kind of pointedly didn't say. And, you know, we heard it in that intro. One, he didn't promise he was going to stay. He said, you know, we're going to do the best we can for as long as we're here and we're going to try to win championships. He never said, this is going to be the place for me. This is going to be the destination, which Kalen DeBoer kind of did say a couple of years ago. The other thing is he really didn't promise that they were going to win in, in huge numbers right away because I think he looked at this roster. He looked at all the guys that are gone to the draft. He looked at all the guys who just jumped into the portal, though some of them may come back. And he really did say, we're going to try to build this from the ground up. And he's excited about building the foundation of this and having it be a gradual process, but, you know, he, he wants to compete in the Big Ten next season, but he didn't promise anything. So in terms of who's coming, you know, I think that's still evolving. He's still settling on his staff, and I think some of those staff moves from Arizona will dictate how many of those guys come. But uh, I thought it was pretty interesting, just not just what he said, but what he refused to say today. Yeah, the stuff that 
he refused to say some of it was honest. Like I, I there was part of me that was kind of like, hey, he's not going to lie. He's basically just saying this is one of these jobs and, you know, I'm here for because it's a good job. And as long as it's a good job, you know, you would love to be in a good job. He wouldn't out and out say this is my forever place and he's not pulling a Dan Lanning and not doing that. Um, you know, the risk of this hire, a small sample size. Does that give anybody pause in Seattle that the sample size of Fish's success is not is not, you know, it's not 10 years of success? Yeah, I mean, I think it probably should. Just the, the fact that this guy simultaneously has so much experience and so little, depending on how you characterize that. You know, he's been an assistant in, in so many different stints in so many different places, and he had really one transcendent run at Arizona. But I think the positives in that are all of that experience with, under all those great coaches and the ability to you know really aggressively recruit the West Coast, which he's already done. I think there's positives there. There's negatives. You know, you know, looking at who they considered to be the finalists. You know, you got Lance Leopold in, in, in Kansas, who was much more like Kalen DeBoer, who had won a ton as a head coach in numerous different places, but maybe isn't quite the proven recruiter that Judd Fish is. So I think there are different approaches there. Um, and I think there's a lot of upside to the Judd Fish hire, but certainly there's risk as well. Kalen DeBoer off to Alabama. Was there a sense that, you know, this this – job just you know came together late as DeBoer said or is there a sense that DeBoer was really one foot out the door middle of the season the minute he hires Jimmy Sexton what have you learned on that front yeah I think that's um that's where it's still kind of evolving in terms of the information you know Troy Dannon talked a little bit today at the press conference and also spoke on local radio today and and did kind of say that he had a feeling as, as early as Thanksgiving where he thought that they had a contract that was, you know, really, really competitive and one that you'd think logically would be signed. And of course, as we know, that can just kind of got kicked and kicked and kicked. And Kalen kept saying that he didn't want it to be a distraction while they were preparing for bowl games, which you could argue was even more of a distraction when you're not signing it as you're preparing for bowl games, but that's what he continued to say. So, you know, I think you can certainly look at, at the facts of all of those things and, and uh, the timing of that and the relationship with Jimmy Sexton and probably infer that something was happening there. I don't think we know the full extent of it, and we may not know. But, uh, you know, uh, Troy Dannon, uh, the athletic director at Washington, said pretty clearly um, that he felt some pause and thought something was up as early as Thanksgiving. Yeah, and I think – you know, it's uh, there's no business like show business. Mike Varell, Seattle Times, is with us here. The uh, the holdover players, the Washington players, obviously portal becomes a problem when a coach leaves. How confident is Washington that they can retain some of those players, or you know, do you sort of see it as a wash with Fish bringing guys from Arizona? I don't know. I don't know what what that's going to look like. I mean, there, there's been a, a flood of UW guys going on the portal at this point. I think even today, talking to Jed Fish, you know, after his presser, we we did a little, you know, uh, separate uh, breakaway interview with him, and and he was still getting a grasp on what this roster looks like, and and who are the guys in the in the portal? How important are those guys, and what are the chances of retaining them? So, he's, you know, I think today was going to be him diving into his personnel staff and trying to really understand what he has and what he doesn't have and who could be leaving and who, who he could get back. So, you know, that's the first thing that he has to solve is just understanding what his roster looks like. And then of course, with all of the, uh, with all of the changes going on in Arizona, um, then you're understanding who's going to jump into the portal and, and what your odds might be of getting some of those guys. So 
there's a lot happening. And, and as you know, when the, when the, the portal window is not widely open right now, there's not a huge opportunity to add guys outside of one retaining Washington's players and, and two, maybe getting some guys from, from a place like Arizona. The Alabama thing, you know, this is a little off topic, but how do you think DeBoer does at Alabama? Uh, I think I think he'll do very well. I think, um, you know, he went there to a place where you have all of the resources you could possibly have in the world. And I think if it doesn't work, it probably doesn't work because there's so much else there um, that is stopping him from, you know, embedding that culture that he has embedded so successfully at, at several different places. But, you know, he's got the staff that he wants. He's been able to get bring some, some really proven coaches on the defensive side. He's been able to bring Grubb and pretty much his entire offensive staff uh, with him. He's a guy who, who understands how to build culture and to build a foundation and how, and how to score points. So I think on its face, he should do very well there. Uh, the question is, you know, can he win recruiting battles um, against the best teams in college football, against the Georgias and, and the Florida States and everyone in the South and everywhere else? And then, you know, you know will they let him win? Will they let him uh, create the culture and, and grow that the way that he wants to? I think – there's no way to answer that, that at this point, but we'll see how that goes. Mike Varell, Seattle Times with us. Uh, you know, I wondered about the new athletic director coming in, now a new head football coach. So much has changed in a short period of time. What does that do to Montlake Futures? What does it do to the collective, the fan base? Um, does that motivate them, or, or, or are you seeing some apathy? What do you think? What do you think the impact of that change is? I think it really really could go either way, and that was my first question to Jed Fish today was kind of what is your message to a fan base that has seen three head coaches in five years and just feels like we just don't want to keep starting over. I mean, from a recruiting standpoint, I think Washington was just getting to the place where we felt like, okay, Kalen DeBoer was going to enter year three recruiting high school kids and really felt like he had a foundation in states, you know, on the West Coast and could really start to reap those rewards. And then you just start all over again. And, and in terms of the fan base, do you want to keep committing to NIL, to season tickets, to all of those things when the identity keeps shifting and you keep feeling like you're starting from scratch? I think it's going to be interesting. You know, either it could be a call to action for those fans to really engage and to really give Jed Fish a fighting chance, or it could be the opposite. Um, and if there is that apathy there, if fans give up, if some lose their enthusiasm, then you have a hard time fighting for recruits and it all goes downhill from there. So I think that's going to be one of his big challenge is really trying to activate a fan base that could feel jilted um, and could feel apathetic after having his heart broken a couple different times. Yeah. And I think the fan base probably would never, you know, trade away the idea of, Hey, you want to play for a national title, but you're going to lose your coach. They would probably take that equation. The move to the Big Ten Conference, um, you know, I know Oregon and Washington were planning on competing right away. How does the departure of DeBoer, the arrival of Fish, how does that change kind of expectations in your mind for next season? I think it, I mean, I think it changes tremendously where, you know, Kalen DeBoer, you know, when he was in the end of his stint here, um, you could see what he was doing. You could see the roster management where obviously they were losing guys, but it made sense, the, the kinds of additions that they were making, where they were adding via the transfer portal, adding a quarterback in Will Rogers, adding a, you know, an offensive tackle and drew as a party to fill a gap there, a defensive tackle that they liked in, in a tight end. And everything just made sense from a roster management standpoint. And now all of a sudden you lose a ton of guys in the portal and a couple of freshmen 
who you're really excited about back off from their commitment. And right now they have, it's hard to know exactly how many scholarship players they have because the portal can be kind of sketchy. And some guys have gone into the portal and then I've withdrawn their names, but they might have like 64 guys right now. Uh, when you typically have 85 guys on scholarship, it's hard to imagine how they're going to have a full enthusiastic, um, a productive spring practice with the kind of numbers that they have right now, because you're just so limited in being able to go after guys from the transfer portal when the window is closed. So uh, there are some very unique challenges at Washington right now to be able to turn that around and to, to develop systems and to teach and to win games this fall. So, you know, it, uh, you could see the pathway to success for Kalen DeBoer and crew in year three, and it's hard to see right now uh, how Jed Fish is going to approach this, but obviously he's a proven coach and he'll have a plan, but it's not going to be easy. Now, Jed Fish talked a little bit about his assistant coach salary pool. That caught your attention. Why did that get your attention? Yeah, I mean, it's been it's been a conversation for years and years here about, you know, what does the, the numbers look like in terms of the salary pool? Can you uh, hire the best and can you retain the best? And he pretty much said flatly today that one of the biggest – um, one of the biggest selling points for him to come here was that he felt like he was given the resources in their salary pool to hire anyone he wants from an assistant standpoint. He, he said point blank, if there's someone that we really want, uh, money will not be a factor in getting or not getting that person in terms of a, an assistant coach. So we'll see. I mean, the, the, the interesting thing about his staff is it looks like he's going to be bringing most of his offensive staff with him, which many do, but, but he might be starting – pretty much from scratch defensively. He might keep a William Inge or a Chuck Morrell from the existing staff, but he's really got to build up that defensive staff, and how he'll go about that will be very interesting. But it sounds like money will not be a factor, um, and that is one thing that, that should make fans optimistic about their ability to build it from the ground up. Yeah, his contract, I'm getting a look at it, You know, an average of uh, better than $7.5 million over the life of the contract, about $53, 54000000 in total salary. Um, how much patience will will the athletic director and the fan base have with Jed Fish if he if, you know if he wobbles a little out of the gates? I think there has to be some, and I, I think the way that he spoke today um, sounded like a guy who had faith that there was going to be some wiggle room there, and that there was going to be some understanding that you're losing, you know, possible possibly eight guys or nine guys who might be drafted. You know, Washington might have the most draft picks of any school in the country this year. And then you've got other guys who are going to the portal. So he's got an awfully big undertaking to remake this roster. And I think it cannot be approached from the standpoint of, oh, this team went to the national championship game last year. Uh, a team went to the national championship game last year. It wasn't this team because this is a different team. So uh, I think there is that understanding. And I think there will be enough of that, uh, enough of that wiggle room for him to be able to build the way that he wants to. Yeah, and I think, you know, I keep thinking about, you know, what he does ultimately. And I think Jed Fish, in the end, I keep seeing him in the NFL. I don't think he leaves Washington for another college job if it goes well. I think he leaves to the NFL. And I think in today's world, Washington's fan base is probably okay with that. And, you know, losing a guy to, to Alabama, did that help at all? I mean, is it better? Like, did Washington's fans, are they okay losing a coach to Alabama knowing it's Alabama? they're not okay losing a coach and they're in just in general and they're not okay losing a coach in these circumstances. And I feel like, you know, some of the stuff that I touched on, I think the fan base felt pretty deeply and that they thought that there was a connection with Kalen DeBoer with wanting to build this thing, with feeling like he was a guy who was going to be entrenched here, who had his daughter 
who's going to play softball here and may still play softball here. I think that's kind of up in the air, but just feeling like this was their guy. And I feel like, yes, it's Alabama. Yes, it makes sense, but uh, it hurt in a cut deep uh, for this fan base. And I think from the Jetfish standpoint, a lot of people tie him to Florida potentially, but the thing you have to remember is Florida is only hiring Jed Fish, who's an alum, if he kills it at Washington. He has to kill it at Washington before he would go to Florida, before he got that kind of opportunity. So I don't know if I'd call that a win-win per se, but the wins have to come at Washington before Jed Fish could even entertain going somewhere else uh, on the collegiate level. So we'll see um, if he can knock out that first part for, uh, first before he goes to you know, possibly debating going somewhere else. All right, give me an idea. The expectations for next season, if DeBoer had stayed, are they different with Fish in now? I mean, is there a little bit of a wiggle room for him? Or, you know, given that Penix Jr. is out the door, you know, were people already going, hey, it's going to be okay if, if Washington wins nine games in the Big Ten? What, how different are those expectations? I think they're pretty different. I think, you know, given what DeBoer was building and the improvements that he had made in the transfer portal and addressing some of their issues, I felt like this was a team that could go into the Big Ten and certainly, you know, compete to win nine or ten games. I, th- I thought that was fair. And now when you look at what Jed Fish has to work with, he might get some of these guys back from the portal who are sort of testing the waters, seeing what it looks like, and, and a number of those guys could come back. But as I said, I haven't seen many situations where you're going into a spring potentially, and right now you're in January and you have 64 scholarship players. Uh, that is alarming. That's, that's almost like a Dion situation in terms right. of what they might have to do here to fix that. So it's going to be a completely different team. I think right now if they are a bowl team next year, if they win eight games, if they go eight and four, that, that's a successful season for Jed Fish. I, I, don't, I don't think you talk about competing for a Big Ten championship. I think you talk about being competitive in the Big Ten, winning some Big Ten football games. If you go 8-4, and four, that is seen as, as a solid uh, first step you know, in a larger journey. And I, I think that's kind of how he couched it as well. They're not, they're not talking about championships um, right now, right this instant. I think they're talking about winning games and building their roster and building something that they can sustain for years to come. Is Pete Carroll part of the staff? I know Fish and Carroll are close. He's not technically part of the staff. He was there today, so, you know, he, he's around. Obviously, Brendan Carroll is, is going to be the offensive coordinator and offensive line coach more than likely. That's what he was at Arizona. So uh, Jed Fish did say that, that Pete is a friend and a mentor, and he looks forward to him continuing to be a mentor and being close to the program. So I don't think that's in an official capacity, but he is someone to have around, and, and that can't hurt in a, from a recruiting standpoint as well. All right, Mike, uh, I really appreciate the work you're doing. It's uh, It's been a journey for the uh, national championship game and now a coaching search and now a roster building, and, uh, you know, I just make sure you hydrate. <laughs> I'll do my best. It's been a long couple of weeks. It feels like when I saw you at the national championship game was about three years ago. So it's I know. Fun. I know. There it is. All right, Mike, take care, man. Thank you. There's Mike Varell, Seattle Times. Um, you know, he was Seattle Times guys were sitting right in front of me, as was uh, our friend um, who covers uh, the team, Christian Capel, who covers the team uh, on Montlake.com. Uh, they were sitting right in front of me in press row at the College Football Playoff National Championship game. So I got a chance to visit with them. I talked to Adam Jude. I tra- talked to Christian Cable. I talked to Mike Varell, and we're sort of talking about what, the expectations for DeBoer were going to be in a year, and we were, you know, would DeBoer go to the NFL was the question. 
And then Nick Saban retires. DeBoer goes to Alabama. And Jed Fish goes to Washington. And here comes Brent Brennan from San Jose State to Arizona. I mean, the trickle-down effect ends up with your local high school coach jumping to another school. I mean, that there's just a domino effect to all of this in coaching that just trickles down and down and down and down until everybody's impacted by it. Anna's going to pop into the studio. I still want to know what's going on in your neighborhood as it pertains to the weather, freezing pipes, freezing rain, bad traffic. Is your power out? Is your power back on? We had a little flicker here at the house. Uh, you know, I, I'm not going to say I was happy about it, but there was a part of me that was like, oh, I might get to put that generator on. No, I'm just saying I want to know what's going on in your household. 503-417-7575. We interrupt this broadcast with a special announcement from the Bald Hey, sorry to interrupt the podcast, but... If you want to listen to more of the Bald Face Truth Radio Show, including more of this segment that you're listening to, make sure you subscribe on SoundCloud and iTunes to the Bald Face Truth Radio Show. Thanks for listening.